The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. Richmond Redevelopment and Housing Authority is preparing to submit its annual plan for federal approval, and the public has a chance to comment on it through the end of September. But as Yasmin Juma reports, the documents weren't available on the website for most of this week. RRHA initially posted a draft plan and supporting documents under the News tab on its website. But sometime between Monday and Wednesday morning, they were taken down. Posting things in an obscure way is across the board, uh, engagement strategy of a lot of these agencies. That's Omari El-Qaddafi. He's a housing organizer with a Legal Aid Justice Center. Last summer, he and other advocates criticized RRHA for failing to engage its residents in the yearly review process. The housing authority pretty much just comes in and tells what's going on, and there's really no opportunity for residents to meaningfully give any input. VPM reached out to RRHA Thursday morning about the missing documents, and the agency's spokesperson, Angela Fountain, said they wouldn't be uploaded until they got federal approval. When asked how residents can participate without any documents to review, Fountain blamed the error on a technical glitch from the agency's website redesign. They were reposted a few hours later. Yasmin Jama, VPM News. RRHA residents and the public can review the plan and instructions for how to submit feedback to the agency at vpm.org news. Dominion Energy has overcharged customers more than $500 million from 2017 to 2019. That's according to a report sent to Governor Ralph Northam by the State Corporation Commission, a state agency that regulates public utilities. Some advocacy groups, including Clean Energy, want state lawmakers to immediately pass legislation while they're in special session to give the SCC more power to make utility companies issue refunds. Terry McAuliffe has formed a committee to raise money for a possible gubernatorial run, according to paperwork filed with the Department of Elections. As Ben Pavier reports, a spokesman for the former governor insists McAuliffe won't decide until after the November elections. The new fundraising committee lists Terry McAuliffe as a Democratic candidate for governor in 2021. But a spokesman says it's just a paperwork change requested by McAuliffe's accountant and lawyer. His old fundraising committee raised almost $2 million in the first half of this year. Virginia's constitution prevents consecutive runs for governor, but it allows it if there's a break in between. Delegate Jennifer Carroll Foy, who announced her own run earlier this year, took aim at McAuliffe. She said in a statement that the politics of yesterday won't do. State Senator Jennifer McClellan is also competing for Democrat support. Either could be the first black woman to become governor in the U.S. Ben Pavier, VPM News. A Senate panel approved legislation that allows localities to establish civilian review boards. Advocates at a hearing on Thursday praised the move, but as Whitney Evans reports, some say it doesn't go far enough. The bill's sponsor, Democratic Senator Ghazala Hashmi, says the power of civilian review boards is currently limited because police departments control much of the information that can be released to them. Princess Blanding has been fighting for civilian oversight of police since her brother, Marcus David Peters, was shot and killed by Richmond police in 2018. She wants the state to require civilian review boards, not just enable them. 
I am very concerned that if this is simply enabling, that many localities will not say, I am going to go ahead and create an independent civilian review board with subpoena power to hold our police officers accountable. Law enforcement opinions are mixed on the issue, but some argue civilians who sit on the boards should have training to understand the types of decisions officers have to make. Whitney Evans, VPM News. Virginia's Senate has killed a bill that would have required employers to provide paid sick leave to some workers. All but two senators on a 15-person committee rejected the proposal on Wednesday. It would have required employers with more than 20 employees to offer two weeks of paid sick leave during the pandemic. Senators voting against the measure said it would be too expensive for small businesses. Worker advocates say they'll make a similar push in the House of Delegates. Since Virginia Commonwealth University opened to students on Monday, 25 students and 11 employees have tested positive for COVID-19. A university spokesman says that of the 25 students who tested positive, 11 are living on campus and are in isolation. More than 4,000 students are living in dorms at VCU. VCU is planning to release an online dashboard, which will show up-to-date numbers of confirmed cases, tests, and students in isolation. Richmond City Council delayed a vote on a measure banning weapons at public events. The ordinance, proposed by Mayor LeVar Stoney, would prohibit guns at virtually all events and protests held on public roads, sidewalks, and parks. The proposal comes after months of Black Lives Matter protests, where some demonstrators openly carry firearms. But Richmond Police's General Counsel David Mitchell says the proposal would be hard to enforce at marches because the city can't properly post signs notifying participants. Richmond City Council is expected to take up the proposed gun ban again at a special meeting next month. Virginians collecting unemployment insurance will be eligible for an extra $300 per week in the coming weeks. The supplement stems from an executive order signed by President Trump earlier this month. Governor Ralph Northam's administration sent in an application to participate in the program yesterday. A state official says the Virginia Employment Commission is updating its old IT system to begin processing the supplemental payments. That process could take up to a month. The extra payments are expected to last between five and six weeks unless Congress passes a broader unemployment package. According to the CDC's guidance on events and gatherings, the risk of spreading COVID-19 is highest in large groups and where attendees have traveled from outside their local area. So for singing communities in Virginia, the message is clear, stay home. One of those communities practices a religious musical tradition called shape note singing. It relies on a group of people singing loudly in an enclosed room. So what happens when groups can't get together and sing? Kelly Libby has this story. Harmony is a defining feature of shape note singing, which is also called sacred harp. Not because harps are played, but because in this tradition, the voice is a musical instrument. This is from an all-day singing convention, an annual event with a potluck dinner, in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, which I first reported on in 2012. The vocal style is unadorned and unpolished. The harmonic qualities of the music are striking. Uh, There's a a lot of um, resonant chords that sound old. Chris Wolf is a school teacher and sacred harp singer from Floyd County, Virginia. You really see people shouting with joy and in the full experience of their grief and in the joy of being together in community. The tradition 
is like a sturdy enough structure that we can actually let go for a second and let our inner experience happen. Shape note singing is not performance. Under normal circumstances, singers only sing for each other. But under the current circumstances, shape note singing is largely on hold. That's because health experts say shouting and singing with a large group in an enclosed room is almost a sure way to spread the coronavirus. So there's this acknowledgement that, yeah, that's what we have to do, but it really hurts. Tim Morton is a documentary filmmaker and singer from Louisville, Kentucky. As someone who's practiced Sacred Harp for more than a decade, not singing was not an option. So using smartphone videos submitted by more than 150 people, Tim created a virtual shape note singing and uploaded it to YouTube. Hello. Because it's virtual, the singers aren't really together, even if it sounds like they are. Oh, let's sing the notes. But just like in real life, they start by singing the notes. Fa, sol, la, and mi. This is a popular shape note tune called Hallelujah. The words were written in 1759. It says, And let this feeble body fail, and let it faint or die. My soul shall quit this mournful veil and soar to worlds on high. This is where it really hits home, I feel like, is... Give joy or grief, give ease or pain, take life or friends away, but let me find them all again in that eternal day. And the chorus is, and I'll sing hallelujah, and you'll sing hallelujah, and we'll all sing hallelujah when we arrive at home. has gone viral with nearly 34,000 views. Tim says he never expected it to resonate with so many people. Some of the like YouTube responses was like I'm weeping and I mean even it, it actually it kind excuse me it's just I can easily get choked up at times, but I think that the responses that I was getting were a big surprise to me, honestly. I felt like the experience that people had by watching it seemed, under these circumstances, something that really people were needing at that moment. It's moving to watch, but Tim says ultimately the video is a novelty project that virtual singing just can't replace the experience of singing with a group of people in person. So Chris Wolf does the next best thing. Remember, he's the sacred harp singer from the beginning of this story. Chris sings in real life with one person. This is Chris with his wife, Roxanne Greenberg. They're both part of a singing community in Floyd. And they're both teachers a job that became busier in the spring after classes moved online. Just being able to 
sing a song for a minute and a half to two minutes, that does create some openness and some spaciousness and some some rest. In 2015, Roxanne and Chris were the first two singers in what eventually became a small group that met twice a month in Floyd. People like Chris and myself, you know, people who live together or people who are coupled, they can still sing together. And we have folks that we sing with who live alone. And so I wonder how it might feel different for them. With cases rising nationally, it's unclear how sacred harp singing communities will fare. Chris says it's unlikely the tradition itself will suffer, but that for now, what is suffering is a socially distanced community. For VPM News, I'm Kelly Libby. Kelly's story comes to us from the Inside Appalachia Folkways Reporting Project at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. All the stories you've heard can be found at vpm.org news. This has been the Daily VPM Newscast. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.